All right, everybody. I know that we've been, you know, taking it easy, but it's time to get serious about this. We got a mystery to solve. We got to find Ben so that we can get the Carton cast back on track. Uh, now, you're new to the team. Are, are, are you good? Are you going to be okay with this? Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, it's been a while since I've been part of a organization. You know, ever since Paulie left, I, uh, it's uh, just kind of been me on my own, so I don't really know how to do the teamwork thing. Okay, well, that's okay. I mean, it, as long as you, your brain's still good, right? You got hit a lot, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I mean, just, just you're trying to think of uh, the way I said it because I've got a black eye, but it's I'll probably be fine you know, just as long as we can start get going. No, okay, that that's fine. I mean, you, you're, you're white as a sheet, but we can do this. Oh, it's, it's, it's just a... It's a medical condition. No, of course. Uh, well, let me introduce you to the rest of the team. Uh, you are replacing the Earl of Sandwich. Uh, he, we had to let him go. But uh, we also have here uh, Greta, Greta Thunberg, uh, and a cozy capybara. So I hope that you'll fit right in. <laughs> Greta, I feel like I, I dated Greta once. That's fascinating information, Rocky. So... I think based on, you know, these cryptic messages that I found, Ben is probably lost somewhere in ancient China. Oh, uh, you know, you should probably check out Philadelphia first. I got a statue there and put places you wouldn't believe the steaks they got at this uh, restaurant with my name on it. That's actually not a bad idea. You know, he often, you know, talked about his enjoyment Maybe I'll of work out in the ba- work out in the back real quick on the sides of beef. I gotta stay hungry. Yeah, that that's good. Uh, I feel like we're getting a little sidetracked, though. Maybe maybe you can hold off no, on, your, quick on your on uh, your you know just a quick wacky nosh. side adventures until we're done with the main idea of what we're doing. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go talk to this anthropomorphic uh, st- uh, 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 punching bag. Rocky, Rocky, how you doing, buddy? You, welcome back. I tell you, you, you never forget your first punching bag, but I just tried to brand new. You want to give me the old one, too? Give him the old one, too. You know, things haven't been so good around here since you left. <laughs> Let me tell you about it. We got a couple minutes, right? There's no hurry. <laughs> oh, yeah, keep the meter running, Zane. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. <laughs> I think that's fine. <laughs> I I can't do any better. No, nope. I'm out of practice. <laughs> that works. What are you talking about? You're you're. <laughs> I thought that you were gonna ask. I thought you were gonna refer to me as Sylvester Stallone, and then I was going to have to correct you, and I'm say, and I would tell you that I'm the ghost of the character Rocky, <laughs> not of the actor. Interesting thoughts. <laughs> no, that it's all I had. That wasn't obvious. <laughs> What's nice about not. that accent is that you can always default to unintelligible if you stop being able to vamp correctly. You you, you started talking like a like a putty, like you were on patrol. <laughs> Well, I was doing that thing where, like, I, I moved my bottom jaw back and uh-huh. forth. Like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that. That's that's an easy... That's a, that's a pro tip. Listener, give it a shot. That is our that is our Cartoncast-approved uh, warm-up exercise. heads out there. Yeah. Uh, Zane. Yeah. It's been a bit. Mm-hmm. Been out the game. Been doing things. Off the top of the pops. Yeah, it's, uh, you know... These are interesting times in which I did not feel up to recording. You have kept the seat warm 
Yeah. Maybe a little too warm. It's a seat warmer. I've, I've been, oh, I've been rotating out a bunch it. of bench warmers. You've been rotating co-hosts, so they wear evenly. <laughs> uh... But yeah, it's it's good to be back. I, I honestly had forgotten what episode I said was going to be next once I came back. Mm-hmm. Um, it turns out it's Mike Tyson Mysteries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this a is... A show for which I only remembered by, like, I only remember that it existed and had never seen or heard anything about before. Correct. Yeah, this is the Cartoncast versus Microphone Tyson, the fight over Skype, the boom over Zoom, the Discord over Discord, peril in podcast town. Oh, I like that one. Yeah. That was great. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. The boom over Zoom is good. You didn't, you didn't like the Discord over Discord? Too obvious? Too on the nose for you? <laughs> no, I, I, I like that one as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, I'm Zane and you're Ben, and this is the Carton Cast. Right. Uh, I know how to do this. So, uh, welcome back to the Carton Cast. This is the podcast where we review old cartoons and see what we think of them as adults. And today, we are talking about... Mike Tyson Mysteries. A show. Um, mm. You know, it's it's always such a such a such a roll of the dice on an Adult Swim property, uh, especially one that's not as well known as you know your your Harvey Birdman's or your uh, Aqua Teens. Of course. And this is even a more recent one. Um, I, you know, I have to wonder how much fame and uh, and uh, and and buzz mm-hmm. and. Adult Swim cartoon can even get nowadays because because back in the days of Harvey Birdman and Aqua Teen, we were still in the age of syndi- syndicated uh, entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know, like we were in the heyday of that. We didn't have the internet to the same degree as we do now. So I wonder if like all of the hit shows are going to be indie produced projects that uh, go on streaming sites. It's it's you know? tricky because a lot of it, a lot of the success of Adult Swim, yes, the programming, but also the context. It was late. You were by yourself. You couldn't watch it whenever you wanted to. You had to watch it while you were drunk, and with no one else around. <laughs> and that makes a difference. It, it it does make a difference, and and this is really a built for Adult Swim kind of show because mm-hmm. it is um, it is expressing dark humor, uh, which this is quite quite deft at handling yeah it's it's dark and it's like meandering and it's uh it's it's kind of a throw everything at the wall kind of approach that we're used to seeing um chrissy watched it for like five minutes uh and she heard quite a lot of sexist and um racist language as well Mm. as things like um just people sitting and not talking and just like dead air as well as somebody reading just aloud a facebook page twice (laughs) (laughs) just a post (laughs) like one person reads it and it's like that's a why why would you say that and why would somebody like it and then mike tyson comes in and he just reads it again (laughs) just verbatim And you're yeah, like, Zane, he's got to mispronounce it or something, right? Like, there's got to be a joke here. So, so you opened up a few different cans of worms there. <laughs> the first of which I think is uh, the elephant in the room. This is a this is about Mike Tyson. You may remember. Oh, a while remember the back. time when Mike Tyson boxed an elephant in a room? <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember the time we did Jackie Chan Adventures? Yes. And we kind of went to it being like, I don't know what Jackie Chan is like as a person, and we're gonna just put that aside for the moment uh-huh um 
we we can kind of do that here. We have less leeway to do that than when we did with Jackie Chan Adventures because Mike Tyson actually voices Mike Tyson in this, which, which is amazing. It it's a really fascinating. So this is something that you sometimes see with like pop culture figures or uh, yeah, icons of an era, icons of an the era, burnout, especially some with like a shady past, which is. They're just going to accumulate wacky character traits until that's all you focus on. Uh, well, it's, and it, it's, it kind of worked. <laughs> if you if you don't mind, I, I want to digress a small amount. Um, you know, kind of uh, dark and shady pasts was how a lot of boxers in the 20s and 30s got their start. Like Hurricane Carter. Like, uh, I, I, I know I've read books on other boxers, specifically, you know, impoverished black men, mm-hmm. whom... You know, they, they were facing down drug charges or assault charges or something, and that became part of their motivation and also kind of part of what made them compelling as athletes. Yeah, yeah. So so there's a lot of history um, of boxers with dark pasts. That is interesting. I'm not—I'm not—I think we can— you know, make the claim right now that, like, we're not here to excuse Mike Tyson of any wrongdoings. Um I certainly am not comfortable praising him as a person, given yeah. that his, you know, some of the stuff that he did was uh, he was convicted of rape. Yep. He was he did, had a lot of drug problems. Bit um, off an ear. He bit off an ear. That was all spectacle. That was professional <laughs> wrestling. Uh, <laughs> what ear? He was. Evander Holyfield was born without ears. But it's the, all fake. <laughs> but the the reputation has been rehabilitated because of the media's willingness. To emphasize his wacky antics, such as we got the face tattoo, we got raising pigeons, we got any of his interviews. He wrestled the tiger. Yeah, he's he's a. I don't know how much of celebrity audacity buys you in the realm of like rehabilitation. Well, you know, I think that the more absurd and kind of outlandish you are, the better chances, the better your chances are, because it's a story and a media loves a story, even if it's not a good one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All news is good news. But, you know, to, to speak not so much about how much he has kind of atoned or turned the cheek, he he does kind of self-frame his uh, trajectory through life as one of trying to reinvent himself. Mm -hmm. And I I think that if you look at the show as an effort to kind of reinvent himself as something a little bit more um, fun-loving and and a little bit less edged, I think it works Uh, pretty well. uh, Again, not willing to make a moral judgment on whether or not we should forgive him. Yeah, this version of Mike Tyson is charmingly naive. Uh, yes. Well-meaning to the people whose mysteries he purports to solve, but extremely dangerous to anybody within arm's length. He's he's like a very aggressive Homestar Runner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's a good way to that's a good way to put. It. And he's got much like Homestar Runner. He's got his handlers. That's right. Wh- whom are varyingly successful <laughs> at handling him. Yeah. Um, just to get it out of the way, uh, Mike Tyson Mysteries did run on Adult Swim from 2014 to 2020. So that's four seasons. Mm-hmm. And it cleaves to the Adult Swim formula of borrowing from old Hanna-Barbera properties. In this case, matching um, the style of the '80s Mr. T animated show. Did you look at a look up any of that? <clears throat> Very briefly, it was like a Scooby-Doo Johnny Quest kind of boring, you know, sort of thing. But but he's he's taken a lot of the like like little things, like when he says like, "Well, I got good news and I got bad news." Like that's straight out of Mr. T's thing. 
and and you know just for something more relatable it's a, it's kind of a shame that we didn't have nick check this out we should recommend that he look at it at some <laughs> point because it's a very straight scooby-doo putt in all of the animation mm-hmm. the, the way these characters are drawn with the beady dot eyes without the irises around it is sort of a hanna-barbera mainstay yeah and given the context of a mystery mobile uh it was impossible not to see scooby-doo out of every corner yeah and and it it plays up that idea um it's sort of it's sort of a way to get things started and then it goes off the rails but you do need rails to start with well spoofing (laughs) scooby-doo is is not particularly new like they Mm -hmm. had that johnny bravo uh spoof of uh, scooby-doo they got groovy in the gang in um in uh venture bros so like it's it's not new to spoof scooby-doo but this kind of has its has has its own energy to it where it like takes the building blocks of scooby-doo and then just kind of you know reverse engineers something else right i don't don't really know how to describe it it's very it's very different from a scooby-doo while looking like a scooby-doo which is a strange thing to behold yeah it's it's playing with the conventions it's the same thing that we saw in the other adult swim things like harvey birdman where it's like this is just to communicate the baseline so that we can get more mileage out of deviating. Well, well, it's a little different because the characters are actually... De- it's like, imagine Harvey Birdman and then replace all the characters with like a Whack, on- Whack Arnold's, you know, off-brand mm-hmm. uh, counterpart, you know, a Hubert Birdstein or what have you. Yeah, yeah. And, and make them look very slightly different and have them doing the same stuff as in the Harvey Birdman Attorney at Law TV show. That's kind of the energy a little bit further along the boardwalk character artist spectrum. Sure, but I mean, like it's it, it's a vaguely similar style. It, it looks more like um like the early two thousand Scooby Doo, like that style. Yeah, yeah, a little bit more recent. St- still the dead beady little eyes though. Yeah, especially with that pigeon, which I do like. Um, yeah. So uh, I looked a little bit at as to how the creators felt about Mike Tyson mysteries. <laughs> And I uh, found this little snippet from an interview mm-hmm. of uh, when Mike Tyson uh, agreed to sign on. So this, asked, this wasn't there... his idea. No, it was not. He was he was brought about, and he, and uh, his his reaction was: I asked, "Is there a possibility that I can curse? I just wanted to do something different." When I first participated, it was weird because I was saying weird stuff, and I couldn't pronounce some of the words and names. Cormac McCarthy was very difficult to say. <laughs> and then I saw one of the sketches from an episode, and they had already sketched 15 minutes of, and he, I got excited. I thought, this looks good. It looks like a real cartoon. <laughs> so then I celebrated my participation. Uh, now I run to it because I know it's going to be sensational. Before, I just thought it was going to be bullshit. Now, why would he agree to do a thing that he thought was going to be bullshit? Well, it turns out Zane, he's got a lot of bills to pay. Oh, yeah. Mike Tyson was very deep in debt by the time this rolled around. Oh, this this man who's used to being in the in the starlight and uh, has taken a lot of head injuries is not good with money? Is this something you're telling me? He's, well, I mean, he he, he made like $300, uh, $300 million over the course of his boxing career, mm-hmm. um, but like ended up... 20 something million in debt and had to file for bankruptcy right so I, i'm kind of seeing this as a you know uh guy from all state kind of placement ad what's in your wallet and you get paid a big chunk of change to do that yeah it's or a, like it's a, a nick cage situation speech. something of that something in that vein but the fact that um, he was he looking it. forward to it and like enjoyed it is is a nice little perk like it it's adds always the nice performance. when it, 
it's always nice when an adult from a different era comes to realize that cartoons are good now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's a, it's I'll, I'll I'll give him this. It's a good read I, for his character. I watched probably way too much of this. Like <laughs> high variability, a lot of good, a yes. lot of bad. I'll, and I'll mostly because that. like I, it's not tethered to anything. <laughs> That's the good part, is in my opinion, is what happens to Scooby Doo when you cease to care about the mystery. Yeah, we can just wander of off, the... and they'll probably be fine, right? Like, oh, we don't that, actually yeah, have to solve just this. Just leave it running. I kind of approached it as like part. So part of my appreciation for this, half of it is watching Mike Tyson thread this idea of trying to reinvent himself as something more kid friendly and less abrasive and and, and upsetting. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other half is watching how a Scooby-Doo handles when no one cares about the mystery. Right, right. Everybody just goes off on their own anyway. What What if it's only Fred cares and everybody's just kind of held together by his personal magnetism and not because they are also motivated to solve the mystery? Mm-hmm. Yep, and, Scoob- and Scooby is just drunk. Yeah, that's that's the other aspect of it, which is that we have this um, this pigeon um, who is is the... He's sort of the the source of all the crude and vulgar humor that I'm sure is part of what uh, Chrissy walked away from, and I don't blame her in the slightest because mm-hmm. it's very. I think that is the nadir of this show. Yeah, pigeon I stuff. Think that the, yeah, the pigeon stuff doesn't work on me at all. Yeah, I so, like the rest of it pretty good though. So to explain how this works, uh, Mike Tyson gets a mystery. Mike Tyson famously has a bunch of pigeons, probably contributed to his debt, and. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, the price of birdseed these days, I tell you. But just like housing and training like 300 pigeons, like that'll do something to a man. So you watch that episode of Hey Arnold and was just like, shit, I gotta get in on this. <laughs> this, this guy will be remembered forever. <laughs> so, um, and so they decided let's, let's have a pigeon. Uh, like he has all of his pigeons who give him the mysteries. Like somebody like writes them down and ties them to the messenger pigeon. But we also have one who's just a dude. Who is, you know... Uh, uh, a man who got turned into a pigeon by his ex-wife, who is a witch. Yes. Uh, and that does not get explained at all. It is stated <laughs> at the outright of the show, and no one pays attention to it at all. It doesn't come up much. I did see one episode where they, like, meet her, and they rekindle their lost love, and then she, like, casts a spell to turn herself into a pigeon. She's like, now we can be together. And he's like, you've missed the point so entirely. And then she gets eaten by Ogopogo. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> that's that's the... All's well that ends well. Kinda. Um, and so the pigeon is voiced by Norm MacDonald, uh, who recently died. And... Mm-hmm. Very tragic. He's he was a great voice actor. Uh, just so I don't have to bring it up later, I actually know him most recently as the role of Yafet uh, from a from the Orville. He's oh. like a big slime monster in a real life uh, show. Yeah, and that, that tracks. Fits his, <laughs> his, it fits it so well. It fits his um, it fits his voice incredibly well. Yeah, and, and uh, like, he was also Death from Family Guy. That's right. Yeah, and Norm the Genie from the Fairly Odd Parents. Yep. Yep. This is a. Uh, sleazy i'm trying to i'm trying to punch out as a comedian voice <laughs> he, he only has the one voice but it's it's good this is not one of yeah. his best roles but probably the best man for the job that was written i just wish it was written I differently <laughs> i i agree 100 percent. yeah this this character is problematic is what it is but let's get back on, to on the aspect. plus side i doubt he cares what we think of him like that's <laughs> if, oh, yeah. if there's I mean, one like person who i'm sure doesn't give a shit in, internally consistent there 
Um, but yeah, so he, Mike Tyson is joined by this pigeon, what used to be a man, and is now a Norm Macdonald. Um, Happens to the best of us. adoptive daughter, uh-huh. um, young, young, young he. he, young he, yep. which I, I don't know if that's supposed to be some sort of joke. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to go come anywhere. Much. Yeah. Yeah. It, I don't know why she's Asian. It's, it's all very confusing. Um, and then, <laughs> then there's, I, I don't know. Other than Mike Tyson, I really liked this character. Um, the, Marcus of Queensbury. Oh my God! So, the, the, easily the best character, right? Like he's very good. I like Mike Tyson's character in this, but I really the Marcus of Queensbury is just such an effective straight man mm-hmm. for the job of being around Mike Tyson, and it's not a living person. This is the ghost <laughs> of Marcus of Queensbury, who, who famously was the uh, was was the inventor of the Marcus of Queensbury rules which was the revolutionary step to make boxing more safe. Yes. And um, the voice actor for this is... Stuffy old British guy. ...is uh, Jim Rash, best known probably as the Dean on Community, but we know him as the Riddler from Harley Quinn. Oh. Oh, my God, that is him, yeah. And he's he's mincing and and very deadpan uh, yes. in the same way, which makes him a really good foil both to Mike Tyson, who doesn't understand what he's saying, which, I infuriates him in the one-sided antagonism way and to um the pigeon Mm -hmm. which is uh just you know somebody very down to earth uh sniping at somebody who is very haughty Mm -hmm. and i think you know the the way that the show plays um with with the marquess of queensbury as the straight man and mike tyson as the wacky guy those two work. And then Young as the other straight man and Pigeon as the other wacky guy, those two don't really work as Yeah, well. it does feel that way. I, I think that Young is kind of the Penny from Inspector Gadget mm-hmm. kind of kind of role where you, you need someone who is Young. This is very classic formula in a bunch of ways. You've got your main protagonist who's he, who's who's sweet but uh, but kind of uh, head in the clouds. Mm-hmm. You've got your smart guy who is uh, very world-weary. Um, you got your child protagonist who tends to be a bit more on the ball, but is also kind of precocious. A little boring. And then you got your then you got your shitlord uh, <laughs> as as the pigeon. Why did we? Why did they write when they were writing how TV would work that there's always got to be a shitlord? <laughs> it's to provide the um, now best case scenario. A, you get a bulk and skull, and I got no problems there. Let's loop in the bulk and skull music real quick. <laughs> Gotta have it's it. To provide a, it's, to, it's to provide a dramatic range, a dynamic range, I think. Sure. Um, but uh, the Marquess of Keens, Queensbury, the couple of things that really work for me about this character. The fact that Mike Tyson calls him Marcus as though it's a, his first name. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. It slayed me. Because <laughs> it's, it's like a stereotypically black name. Hey, Marcus. And this is an 18th, like a 19th century ghost <laughs> of a British guy. It's it calls so him Marcus. good. I don't know if there's any joke in the show that's better than the fact that Mike Tyson's character calls him Marcus. There is not. Um, and the other aspect of him is like he he's played up as this uh, effeminate, flamboyant character. Yes. Now, the other main thing that people know about the Marquess of Queensbury, aside from the rules of boxing, is this feud that he had with Oscar Wilde. Yeah, Oscar I had Wilde, no idea about this. Famous gay person. Among other yeah. things. F- famous homosexual, yes. Um, but uh, so 
what happened was they had a feud and the Marquess uh, basically led to wild bankruptcy. Queensbury accused him of being a degenerate sodomite and mm-hmm. Oscar Wilde sued for libel, but dropped it when he realized, no, wait a second. Uh, <laughs> wait, how does libel work? <laughs> yeah. He's just not allowed to talk shit, right? <laughs> and then Queensbury countersued for the expense of the lawyers. So I suspect that his portrayal here as flamboyant is some sort of revenge for this. Well, wasn't um, wasn't the Marquess's son in the romantic relationship oh, with Wilde? Probably, because I I think that was why Marcus was uh, why the Marcus of Queensbury got all up in his case mm-hmm. is because he was trying to get uh, his son to stay away from him. That like, makes it's, sense. It's something that deserves a documentary at some point. Oh, sh- or I, a drunk I'm history kinda, at the very least. I'm I'm kind of interested in. Um, antiquated relationships just because our our dating system now is very different from how it once was Mm -hmm. with the love letters and you know coming back from war and how gay people had to have uh you know straight uh beards so that they could pass in society Mm -hmm. like i'm just kind of interested in it and i would love to see a story of oscar wilde and the marcus of queensbury's son yeah yeah just to kind of see things uh not through the modern lens Mm mm-hmm very much. Uh, yeah, so he's he's kind of my my favorite part of the show. He's he's very good, and he's like the Doctor Doppler of this show. So I'm not surprised that you like the Niles uh, the Niles Crane of this. Well, he's this just era. He, you know he he can be wild and wacky and have a weird take because he's a ghost who is like you know from a hundred years ago. But he can like like he can fly and uh, like phase through walls, but also interact with solid objects and there's this weird like ontological thing of like no if i die again then it'll be the exact same way but i won't be able to interact with physical matter like we're getting a lot of weird details (laughs) i don't remember that i do remember that sometime that one point uh some other ghost popped up to correct mike tyson on his relationship with him (laughs) and mike tyson says be gone and he's like i'm really glad that you taught me how to do that (laughs) she's like what (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't get explained, but yeah, so, so I, I like, like the yeah, range the, on this guy. He can he can play the both existen- ways. The the fact that we have to existentially interact with ghosts on the semi reg <laughs> and it's not the main plot point is very funny to me. Yeah. Um, um but yeah, those those are those are your main, main characters. Those are the main characters, and they they go on a mystery every episode. Uh, Mike Tyson seems to be the only one who's kind of into it. Mm-hmm. Everybody else kind of follows it. Like, every time they end up in the mystery mobile, and Mike Tyson is talking about the mystery, and everybody else is like, I don't know why we're here. But they all follow him, so it feels like contractually obligated in some way in order not to get sent to the hereafter. Or... So let's, let's try and figure out why this is, because, like, it's, it's just sort of assumed they have to go with him, but why would that be? Young is his Other adopted, than narrative convention. Yeah, yeah. Young is his adopted daughter, and there, there are times when she like clearly doesn't want to be a part of it, but she always ends up like roped back. Kids don't really have agency over their parents' goings-on and where they get taken to, so that, that, that tracks. I think she's just kind of worried about him, like if she leaves him alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, someone has to look after the guy. And then one assumes that like pigeon this is the only place where he'll be treated well oh yeah like you can imagine pigeon like went through four other tyson-esque folk who just didn't know how to treat a man pigeon and then like this has got to be mecca Mm -hmm. for you know the man 
the man pigeon uh, of the world. Yeah, someone who loves and respects pigeons, but also won't think twice if he asks him for a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then it, it is assumed that this ghost is bound to him in some way. <laughs> yeah, like they can't go a mile apart or he gets like yanked back. But it's like just cat dog. It's just never mentioned. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let, let's let's talk about each of the characters because mm-hmm. I, I, you know, there are the odds and ends. Like you know, an old man withers. There, there's those guys who yeah. show up uh, as the one-offs. Sometimes the villain is revealed, and it's someone we've never met or had context for, which is a very funny kind of anticlimax. Yeah, it's a subversion the there, subversion of the Scooby-Doo formula. But uh, for the most part, we're just dealing with these four. Mm-hmm. Mike Tyson, obviously, voice acted by himself, which is. <laughs> always amazing <laughs> yeah he um, just he just leaned into it you know yeah he really did because this is a more aggressive lisp than i thought he had as mm-hmm. a person uh, I, and it works on me like, like, like i when like he's, this delivery like when he's stumbling through saying cormac mccarthy like he he had to sign <laughs> off he? on that he's fine with that portrayal <laughs> well i didn't realize it was him saying it until the end of the episode happens because they have a um, they have a thing like in Jackie Chan Adventures mm-hmm. where we talk to Jackie Chan for a second and it's just Mike Tyson jabberjawing about something. <laughs> and you get to see him being excited about saying some fucking nonsense <laughs> to the camera. And it's never um, like it's never particularly insightful whatever he has to say. It's just like No, not I, at all. I asked them if we could add a part where uh, I could punch like a grizzly bear and they said, Yeah, we could, so that's why that's in there, so uh, you're welcome. <laughs> like something to that <laughs> yeah. effect. It's, it's, or, or like at the end of the first episode when he's, pre- he's singing a pretend song that the character in the show, Mike Tyson, thought was a song. It's like, there's no time for bird sex. We gotta fly. <laughs> and he's just kind of singing and jiving in his, in his chair. Yeah. And get to see him, get to see Mike Tyson, the actual person being into se- singing this made up song that mm-hmm. he almost certainly made up. Um, yeah, the the Cormac McCarthy thing I wanted to point out because a lot of the humor of the show, it's cheap. The way that yeah. you can just have a person saying something incorrectly and it counts as a joke, but damn it, do they ever deliver on that <laughs> in this? Like, it, they, it can be done well and it can be done poorly. This is maybe the best delivery of that I'm mispronouncing a thing and it makes it funny mm-hmm. joke I've ever seen. Because he's committing to it and he, he, he clearly loves it. Right, because his, his his lisp and the punch drunk kind of attitude does lead itself to a bit of a dunce persona who would trip, who would, you know, mush mouth over his words. Mm-hmm. But it was the moment that I realized I actually, I actually like this show quite a bit, <laughs> is uh, when the uh, Marcus of Queensbury says, oh, Cormac McCarthy, he's, uh, he was, he won a Pulitzer Prize and is no, a, noted, a noted recluse. Why is Caramel MacArthur a reclusive author? <laughs> Just like that. Car- why is Caramel MacArthur a reclusive Arthur? Is just a beautiful nonsense phrase <laughs> that only works with this very specific person. It's from Cormac McCarthy. Who? Cormac McCarthy, Pulitzer Prize winner, famously reclusive. Why is Caramel MacArthur a reclusive Arthur? Did his face burn off in a fire and he had a metal face and anyone scared of his face? No. Or maybe he's really a robot or a mythological creature like a horseman. I bet that's the mystery. 
Cormac McCarthy is not a centaur. That is not the mystery. I didn't say centaur. I said horseman. And he's always smiling, which mm-hmm. makes me happy in the Homestar Runner kind of way. Yeah. Um. um yeah, he's so golly gee. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I love almost everything about him. <laughs> yeah, even, even when he's, like, being mean to other people, you kind of assume it's because he doesn't know any better. It's innocence, yeah. It's never mean-spirited. Mm-hmm. There, there's a, a scene where he's talking to an old lady, and he's trying to get information out of her, and she's just talking about, like, would you like a butter egg? He's like, what's a butter egg? And she's like, a butter egg. Uh, it, it's a poached egg. And he's like, well, why do you call it a butter egg? Yeah, butter eggs. I made them for breakfast. And it just keeps going back and forth. And eventually she makes him one. And he's just like, this egg is, uh, you know, it's poached, but it's not very good. It doesn't even taste like butter. And then they have the rest of the scene. And then at the end of the scene, he says, hey, do you have any butter? These dry, tasteless eggs. And it's just like, that's the cadence of his conversation. Where he just keep putting in mean or unnecessary things where they don't need to be. Because a lot of the dialogue in the show is super meandering. I love it. I think that it's an incredibly funny amount. Like, because they're eight minute episodes, so meandering dialogue can take up like a minute and a half at one stretch, and it slays me. It's it's example, variable. It's it is variable, but um, in but one episode, he, in one episode, he keeps on getting into fender better fender benders, <laughs> and because. And because it's in the Mike Tyson voice, he's like, oh, I got another fender bender. Is is just a very good read. And it's him crashing it, like causing an eight-car pileup. Yeah, I got another fender bender. Um, And uh, he's talking to the the insurance guy, uh, Julius. And when he's talking to Julius, Julius, you know, goes through his, like, don't admit fault. Yeah, it, it sounds like a person talking to a person trying to be very patient on an insurance line he's like would you have time for a for a quick survey how quick is it 15 minutes sure <laughs> just like and we'll, we'll hear him starting to take a yep fucking car insurance <laughs> survey over the phone while there's plot presumably going on in the background <laughs> which conceptually i really like um in in the moment sometimes it doesn't work especially if it's like a pigeon heavy dialogue sequence or or, or something like that let's but, talk um, about pigeon because because this is we got to get through this bit mm-hmm. uh and i don't because i don't know if the show works particularly well if there isn't anybody who's kind of a sass mouth mm-hmm. he, i did not need him to be this degenerate yeah it's not it's crude and lowbrow and it's just like not it's not as well written as the other parts of it yeah, he's all of the ists. He's racist, homophobic, yeah. sexist, etc. Um, also, I I have to call out media in general, like animation in general, for this. Okay, this is the thing that they do. This sucks. Um, they they couch the harmful, shitty attitudes that they want a character to have, and they um, they neuter it by putting it in the body of something harmless right you know you know my hero academia mm-hmm. you that that one character minetta the rapist pervert mm-hmm. who for some reason is trying to be a hero who's constantly goosing people or like hapasai from yeah Rana. the the old man pervert and it's like oh he's just a harmless old man exactly well, but-, but they do that <laughs> All the time mm-hmm. in all different kinds of media, like you can look at Family Guy and uh, American Dad, and you have these really terrible personality. There's a there's a Hitler, yeah, and he, it's okay that you're a Hitler because you're a fish. 
I don't right. think that that yeah. So like, it it doesn't absolve the show of the problematic opinions that they're foisting onto this joke character mm-hmm. by simply making it so that in universe they're not harmful. Like I think that that's just a very cheap way to still be able to tell gay jokes. Yeah, yeah, the sort of like, oh, uh, I'm only joking and therefore it's okay. Yeah, exactly. Or mm-hmm. like, no one's getting hurt because of it, because we don't believe that this person would be able to actually act on anything. So he's just, it's just locker room talk. It's just... Yeah, it's... It's it's just a cowardly flourish in a ton of shows. And like, whenever they want to have a gross one... They they put it in uh, often a Norm Macdonald, but they also <laughs> often it, in, it is Norm Macdonald. It's, it's often Norm Macdonald, but they always put it in like an animal or a baby or something like that. It's yeah, awful. to neuter it. Yeah, and and I think you know we don't like it doesn't serve anything. Like we don't need it. It's it's often the least funny or least interesting, and it doesn't like serve a character. Like Mineta in My Hero Academia, we have weirdo, awkward, cringy people in that show already and we have mm-hmm. a lot of sexualizing young women already you don't need to like mm-hmm. overemphasize it in a single character and just like hit us over the head with it because well, well, why would perf you humor is uh, perf humor is for whatever reason more acceptable in japanese animation sure or historic historically speaking mm-hmm. but it, it there are two aspects of the same problem which mm-hmm. is that the creator is trying to distance themselves from problematic opinions by having a, a character that we should see as harmless say them. Right. And uh, I'm just sick of it. I want to never have that be a character again. Yep. No no more Klaus the Fish Nazi. If, if for no other reason than it's lazy. Uh, yeah, if, if you can't muster up a moral objection, you can at least muster up an artistic objection to it. Like, the idea of a pigeon using binoculars to peep on a woman... Uh, going, getting into the shower and like loudly berating her for closing the curtains mm-hmm. is not the same energy as Mike Tyson agreeing to take a car insurance survey, which is what I want the show to be. <laughs> yeah, just, more. I only more want that. that. More of him <laughs> reading aloud Facebook posts. Um, and I that's think, where the show is really good. <laughs> I, I think um, connecting it to American Dad actually works because in in the same way that Pigeon is like Klaus the Fish. Marquess of Queensbury is like Roger, right? It's this sort of mm. non-human, over-exaggerated, yes, we're relying on an old uh, stereotype, but here's one where it's sort of, uh, uh, <clears throat> it's in service of something, right? It, it, it's more of a character. It's it's the grounded, cautious, um, uh, tentative pairing to the exuberance that is Mike Tyson's character. Mm-hmm. And, and that does work very well, especially because... A lot of his objections are just very mild critiques of Mike Tyson breaking the rules. Yeah. You know, just like Mike Tyson having a really long conversation with some guy he thinks is a wizard. Oh, wait, no, it was some guy who was called the wizard and he was a card (laughs) counter at a casino. And they go through a flashback and like for two minutes easily, uh, the Marcus of Queensbury is talking to them about how they're blocking traffic. And just, like, saying it increasingly agitated, like, you, you, we, we can just come back later once we park the car. We don't have to be... They're going to... Mm-hmm. I, don't get out of the car. He's, they're right. We are blocking the way. <laughs> just, like, the mincing dialogue works really well to um, mm-hmm. the innocence, naive naive innocence that is Mike Tyson. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, what what's the opposite foil to this 
extremely aggressive but well-meaning guy is this very like risk-averse but uh, sassy, for lack of a better word. Yeah, and he, like I got the feeling like he was he'll ultimately do... good-natured as well. Yeah, like he'll 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 snipe somebody, but he'll do it privately, you know, after the danger has passed, not to their face. Um. Since we're already on Mike Tyson again, I, I do just want to <laughs> say one other line that cracked me up in one of the first few episodes. Sure. Which, he's trying to prove that magic is real. So Right, yeah. <laughs> he, so he goes to a Chris Angel show or something like that. Or he, he goes to this theater where Chris Angel is going to do it. And the Marcus is like, oh, you can, you, can, uh, you can ask Chris Angel. He seems to be a magician, right? No, he doesn't do magic. He does illusions. Like, got your nose. See? Don't worry, Marcus. It's not your nose. It's just a bit of my thumb sticking out. <laughs> I wasn't worried. <laughs> just, just like the back and forth of, I don't know how much of this is genuine and how much he's just putting it on for fun. <laughs> but it is just the mundane dialogue with yeah. Mike Tyson driving a ghost around. It, it's it just really, very funny. It to really me. feels like one of those classic like two man comedy like groups, like a Laurel and Hardy. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. And the fact yeah. that he calls him Marcus. <laughs> Marcus is just a very... That's a good joke. Um, that's just, And that's the wholesome humor that I'm there for, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and then we have Young. And I just don't think they did a lot with her as a character. Like, when you're having wacky adventures, the character who basically just either A, solves it with no trouble, or B, questions why you're even bothering, uh, just not a, not a high point for humor. Plucky sidekick is kind of where I thought... Or, 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 you know, um, uh, what's the word for young people who act older than they are? Assholes. No, <laughs> no, 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 I can't remember it. I said it earlier in the podcast. Rewind 30 Corruption. minutes or so. I, I d- definitely not eruption. Um, you know, in a lot of those old 80s cartoons that you always had, like, a snarf or a scrappy, or yeah. and they were all kind of interchangeable because they were just a piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. I get the feeling like she is designed as a piece of a puzzle that is Scooby-Doo formula. Right. Where it's like, this is the Velma of the group, mm-hmm. more or less. Like, pretty even-keeled, pretty... Uh, some Something into the mystery, um, but doesn't really pull a lot of focus. Unless you're me. Uh-huh. Um... I, I don't know whether it's just... I got a, I guess I got a, a Diane from BoJack Horseman energy mm-hmm. to her as well, because she's the normie. You yeah. know, everybody else is a, a ghost or a Mike Tyson or a pigeon, and she's just a girl. Yeah. So yeah, I, I got the feeling like she was just supposed to be the normal one of the crew, because maybe it does feel too shticky if you only have you know, celebrities and the afterlife as your cast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and and the way that, like, her function is less optimal than, say, uh, you know, the Marquesses is, like, if Mike Tyson does something dangerous and stupid, she'll, like, do a big, like, no! Whereas Marcus will be like, no, 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 no! And one of those is just yeah. much funnier. Well, it is funnier. It also is... But you can't have only characters who pull focus. Yes. Like, you have to have those other characters that are willing to deliver the plot from one bucket to the next. And normally you get that through the, like, the new characters, like the side characters of any given story. Um, Young mm-hmm. herself doesn't do a lot, except maybe to like temper Mike and make him a little bit more thoughtful at times so that we can see the, the range there. 
Well, I think that's the role of the other three members of the cast is, is <laughs> they're all trying to like pull him back in various ways. And I think the iteration of that is important. Mm -hmm. Like I don't only want Marcus to be talking to him. You know, I want him to be bouncing off of three other people with more rational perspectives yeah, on the world yeah, than like, him. Like the whole, there's somebody for the entire process of Mike Tyson making a bad decision. You have the person who tells him not to, the person who's yelling out as he's doing it, and then the person who's like, well, fuck that guy. It's, <laughs> it's, it's done. It's gone. I, I think it is I think it is a good pairing. Um, I know that you should, I didn't get a lot out of her, but I, yeah. I liked the role that she played in, uh, in Foil, too. Yeah, and like I think Tyson. it's a little conflated just because so often when she is on, she is the target of Pigeon's, you know, uh, misogynist or anti-Asian sentiments. It's not great. Not yeah, great. it's not great. Um, there's a running gag where she is mistaken for a boy, which seems like a choice that they thought would be funny, and then they just kept doing it in hopes that one day it would be funny. I, I don't know whether or not... The, this is what I was thinking. Is is her name supposed to be a joke? Like a young he. It's a young person who's a boy. Maybe? Kinda, question mark? Kinda. Are those the jokes we can make about? Yeah, it doesn't read to me. Um, it, which which makes her feel... It does make her feel weird because you're you're looking for the edge. You're looking for the angle. Like what mm -hmm. what's, what's not normal about this person who is palling around with Ghost and Mike Tyson and Pigeon? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I, I am constantly kind of looking for, well, why is she, how is she weird? Yeah. Um, but she is so very normal. So mm -hmm. maybe, maybe it's just an effort to kind of get into that weird territory. I don't give, give her something to do. I, I guess so. Um, there's another character who shows up in the later seasons, uh, Deezy. I, I saw no Deez. Mike Tyson's buddy Deezy. He's this sketchy guy who sometimes serves as a plot device. Oh, is he like tires from, uh... Uh, from the uh, uh, from Spaced? Is he like... I don't remember Tires, but probably. Do you remember Spaced? I remember Spaced broadly. It's been yeah, a long with, time. Um, with Simon Pegg, mm -hmm. like is one, one of his big first things. Him and Nick Frost. Um, tires was his rave buddy who would show up and start raving to background sounds. Yep, yep. <laughs> so DZ <laughs> is this like sketchy guy who like so so in one episode um the gang goes to atlanta for a reason i don't remember and he's like hey can i come along i've been meeting you know i've been chatting with this girl uh on the internet and i think she's the one and you know she's rich and she's beautiful and all that stuff and pigeon's like well no you're being catfished is the thing and it's gonna be very <laughs> funny for me uh to laugh at you later and you know he they they drop him off in the bad part of town and and later on they like they don't even solve the mystery uh, they just sort of end it after a couple minutes and go back home <laughs> um, <laughs> and then they're like oh shit we forgot to pick up DZ and then they go and then it turns out no he wasn't being catfish and then they end up in the middle of nowhere in like a gunfight uh, fighting a monster like he he's just another guy who. Uh, serves whatever role he needs to, but usually it's like the guy who's up to no good. If if any of this is appealing to you, this kind of rapid fire and then this happens mm -hmm. type of stuff, if any of this appeals to you, you should watch this show because it, it is exactly as fulfilling to watch it as it is to listen to Zane's explanation because there is just a lot of and then this happens. Yeah, let, let, But it's delivered comedically. Yeah. Like they, they know how silly it is <laughs> and they know how little the plot matters and they know that it's funny to... I guess we're we're kind of done here. We could you we know, go, go in another direction <laughs> and now. And the, the episodes do just kind of end 
wherever. <laughs> I fucking love it. And then the elevator like, music. Oh man, it's so good. And, and this is like the evolution of the sitcom, right? Mm-hmm. Where like you'd have to resolve things so that there, it, it, back in uh, the Flintstone area, you'd resolve things so that everything was status quo. You get to the Family Guy era and you're talking about how it's not status quo and that that bugs them. Now you get to this era where it's not even really remarked upon because it's a given mm-hmm. of that, that it's that it's not necessary. Like in that episode where they meet Pigeon's ex-wife and you're like, oh, there's a minute left and she's about to cast a spell to turn him back into a pigeon. How are they going to finish this? And it is, she turns herself into a pigeon. He's like, why did you do that? She gets eaten. Credits. <laughs> like we're, Every time... we're back to the status quo. The boring bits you fill in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's... That's kind of the beauty of this eight... We usually don't do things that are eight minutes, and I, I'm seeing the the value in it. Because an eight-minute episode means you don't have to care at all in order to get value out of it. So often did I look down at the timer during, like, a climax, and it's like, oh, there's a minute left. How are they going to wrap this up? And it's, then it's just like, oh, however they fucking care to. Yeah. Mike Tyson's on the moon now, and he ran over an astronaut. I guess he's got to call I mean, his insurance guy from the moon, <laughs> and then the episode ends as he's doing another customer satisfaction survey. That's very good. I mean, it, they're, they're short episodes, and yet at the same time, there's, like, always conversations like that customer survey thing. That feels like they finished their scripts at six minutes and just needed to kill time. <laughs> like somewhere in the script where they just go I, back I don't and disagree. Forth. That works on me. I like I really It's hit or miss. I, I don't know. I mean I got it well, you you you've said it enough times that I get the feeling like you chafed against a lot of that meandering dialogue. I think it always worked on me, every single time. Interesting. I, I think I guess... the craftsmanship of the not a joke jokes is extremely high in this. I mean, I definitely remember some of the some of the better ones, but there were also like I saw quite a bit of this and and it doesn't always usually it's the person okay. who's delivering it. If Mike Tyson is talking like, and it usually is, it's it's cool. Like here's we're, here's we're an good. example of an episode where the mystery, quote unquote, is like not even a minute. <laughs> the wacky hijinks are most of the rest and then there's a couple minutes of just chatting. So yeah. the mystery of why aren't the swallows which normally make an annual migration to Capistrano, San Juan Capistrano. Why aren't they there? Well, the team the team ends up in San Juan, but it's the wrong one. They they got the flight to Puerto Rico's San Juan instead, and so okay. they, they call up DZ, who's like, "Yeah, let me bump you up to first class." Oh, I can't find my credit card. I'll use yours. Uh, and uh, just so you know, I'm getting some some weird background noise yeah, from you guys like now. Yeah, truck being. So what is happening? There's an RV parked in the house next door's driveway, mm. just idling. Mm. And some guy is looking at it, and every, you know, 10 seconds or so, it revs the engine and doesn't move. And now he's, like, using his phone flashlight to look at all of the tires individually. Amazing and cool. So I'm, I'm, I'm not... I don't know how to diagnose that. I, I can't classify not, whatever not that is. <laughs> They haven't called Julius. <laughs> anyway, you, you were in the middle of the thing. Yeah, I, I guess we can deal with the sound as it goes. Um, so, you know, DZ, they, they called DZ to, like, book him a better flight uh, back back home or, or directly there. And on their flight back, the plane crashes in the because of the Bermuda Triangle. Sure. And they crash land. And there's a very funny uh, exchange where they're talking to the pilot, and the pilot's like, 
all right, the plane's going down. Uh, I have my parachute. And they're like, well, don't you have extra parachutes? And you're like, no. Well, since you guys voted not to make Puerto Rico a state, uh, <laughs> we don't have nice. to follow those regulations. No, we're just a territory. And he's saying this as he's jumping off the plane. Yeah, just making a little. Um, but then um, backlash there. We, uh, you know, we 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 fade out, and when we we come back to, they're all like on a beautiful beach in nice clothes, and um, somebody like brings them together and welcomes them into a hut to meet uh, their savior, L. Ron Hubbard. Now, of course, the, where the rest of the plot goes, it doesn't matter. Mike Tyson thinks that L. Ron Hubbard is Colonel Sanders. <laughs> Perfect. And what you have is a minute and a half of L. Ron Hubbard explaining uh, our pop culture understanding of the lore of Scientology, and Mike Tyson occasionally interjecting, saying like, but what are those 11 herbs and spices? <laughs> <laughs> There was an episode, like, him getting confused between pop culture references mm-hmm. is the majority of the humor. Like, he, he saw Robert Redford in a casino and confused him with um, Paul Newman yes. or something. <laughs> Good. And there's, there's, there's no reason for it other than, like, they have very, vaguely the same affect. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's some quality stuff. Mistakes that people couldn't possibly make mm-hmm. are, are his bread and butter. I have to assume that there's a level of fame you can reach where everybody who's less famous than you is some sort of amalgamation of people. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I guess that's true. Um, you know, every, everyone with a big white beard, mm-hmm. you, all you see is the beard, right? All you see is this has got to be an Ian McKellen of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It, uh... I, I, I have to wonder... Like, I really am hopeful that Mike Tyson kind of like found the light with this show <laughs> what, what do you like mean he, well i mean like I, you know he's had that uh that 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 uh checkered past mm-hmm. and um and and a lot of you know he's, he's guilty of wrongdoings and such and i like to think that this effort to reinvent himself is genuine you know like i don't know if it's entirely successful but i love the idea I don't know. I, I'm I mean, a sucker he, for a redemption story, and boxers hit me in the feels in a particular way. So, again, I'm not making a moral judgment on his character, but I am hopeful that this was a... I mean... I, I hope it, this was a fulfilling step for him. One of the reasons this show works is it takes the same approach as Mike Tyson does. Just throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Like, try everything. Yeah, I, I feel like it mostly is, uh, is, is on the same page as me. Mm-hmm. Um... Let's let's move to tone and genre. Sure. So it's clearly a spoof of Scooby Doo, with the only difference that only the Freddy believes that it's Scooby Doo, <laughs> and everybody <laughs> right. else is humoring him, which yeah. is is funny on its own. They, they ask several times, like, "Well, why are we a mystery team?" He's like, "Well, there's yeah, mysteries we to we, solve." Yeah, we don't know what we're doing here, mm-hmm. um, and that turns it into a very different style of self-aware comedy. Because, like, I think the two parts of this. Uh, that are kind of battling with each other is self-aware comedy and dark edgy comedy. Mm-hmm. And I think the parts where the dark edginess kind of wins out, where like Mike Tyson is just punching a bunch of people or where um, Pigeon is a character is uh, is where the dark comedy kind of edges out. But it's it's really that inverted Scooby-Doo mm-hmm. irony that I, that, I, that I get more out of. Hang on a second, because I have to go talk to these people because the like... Gas is coming in here, and I can smell gasoline. (laughs) 
Yeah, they're uh, they're just repairing their uh, RV. Oh, okay. <laughs> like Fair like enough. you do. Okie doke. Eight thirty on a Wednesday in your driveway. <laughs> yeah, so I I don't know if you, I don't know if you caught anything else from this tone other than Scooby Doo and the fact that it was kind of halfway between dark comedy and ironic comedy, but uh, that's that's more or less what I'm seeing here. I think it's. I think it's well within the Adult Swim range. Oh, totally. <laughs> like, yeah, and and that that covers a wide area from clever and sophisticated dark comedy to just crude and crass, you know, whatever works. You know what the the pairing of zany to serious misanthrope kind of feels to me. Like, I mean, I guess this is less misanthrope and more just like uh, flamboyant. But BoJack and. Um, and and Todd that relationship mm-hmm. like the very one sided, uh, or even Mister Peanut Butter and, and and BoJack and everyone happy and BoJack I guess is <laughs> is sort of Mike Tyson and everyone right? He's just like no, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm Nobody gonna try said it. that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think there's actually a lot of similarities between this and uh, BoJack Horseman. Mm-hmm. I think it, this is BoJack Horseman without any message or heart to yeah, it <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> i mean it's 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 a lot looser right it's it's serialized and that scooby-doo part of it does take take over to a larger degree um, i'm happy about that how do you feel about the fact that it looks very scooby-desque it, it works it works for what it's doing you know you want them to be humanoid because this is a real person um right but i mean it's a sense. specific type of humanoid with the dead stares um <laughs> That that Freddie and the gang tend to have, it, it, and I'm wondering how much that appeals to a broad audience, and how much I just like it because I'm so familiar with the with the source. I material. mean, it gets across what it needs to, which is we're going to be meeting new people, uh, gathering celebrities like Globetrotters <laughs> and uh, Don Knotts. Yep. Yeah. Just gather the information you need about them quickly, but don't get emotionally attached, right? Because something their bad's going to happen to them. <laughs> they're they're they're, they're about... dead already. Yeah, let's. Um... Let's let's talk about the animation quickly because mm-hmm. like I think that the fact that the models tell you not to care about the characters is very key here. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I, I it like I'm stressed to think of a show that looks as '80s that wasn't in the '80s if, as this. If there is a character who is an old woman, she will have no features that endear her to you more than. This is an old woman. And so when she yeah. gets into a gunfight, whatever, man. <laughs> like, it's fine. <laughs> like, it's yeah, good. We, we, you can take in all these characters at a glance, mm-hmm. which is, is is useful for an eight-minute thing. Mm-hmm. You know? It's, it's not more complex than it needs to be. And a lot of the time, the beauty of animation is that it can convey the complex uh, through a medium that is simpler to, to ingest. And this this is really pushing that envelope <laughs> to an extreme yeah with the with the simplicity um like Mm -hmm. there there's a there's a bit at the beginning of one of the episodes where mike is on like one of those celebrity cooking shows and the (laughs) i'm just thinking about what it must look like (laughs) in my head and it's beautiful it's it's the other celebrities going to start cooking and him just standing there and then he goes to like one of those like confessionals like after the fact reality tv things and you're like i just froze i got nervous i don't know (laughs) But like it, 
it, it introduces you to that cooking show idea very quickly because it's only going to last like three minutes because that's actually just the backdrop for him needing to solve a mystery in New York City so that the whole trip can be done as a tax write-off because they were expecting right. him to win. But um, but that plot doesn't matter either. Doesn't matter. Is the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. The, is, I think the same approach that they have to designing the character models is the approach that they had to designing the plots, which is like... There's almost no plot construction to speak of, as you had stated, as we hopefully have conveyed to you so far. Like, characters will call out the absurdity of the mystery framing device on the regular. Um, This kind of made me think that this is sort of like the reverse of the Sherlock plot construction, where the plot tells you... Like, the the nature of a Sherlock show is one wherein you're looking for clues, Mm. because it's going to tell you everything that you need in order to be able to piece it all together by the end. Right. And this is telling you at the beginning, you don't need to look for anything because nothing's actually there. <laughs> and clues could not fall into your lap more readily than they do <laughs> in this show. <laughs> like, legitimately, like, Mike Tyson will be like, oh, man, what's the, what's the, what's the chance I met the old wizard who sent the postcard? Mm-hmm. He's like, I gave you detailed directions on the back of it. And he opens it up. He's like, oh, so you did. Because <laughs> that wasn't a coincidence. Yeah, in, in, in Sherlock Holmes, he's, you know, those regular conversations, he's gleaning information that he needs to solve the case. There's subtext. There's Here, barely text in the, this. The, the mystery and the plot is so we can get to those conversations. The the New York City, you know, cooking show leading to him needing a mystery where he's talking to a mobster, finding out where his son embezzled the money, is just so that we can have a couple minutes where the mobster is telling him, this is the best pizza in the world. You won't believe it. And it's just some, like generic like uh, 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 part of a chain <laughs> where he's like you wouldn't believe what they put on this pepperoni oh can you believe it this is amazing <laughs> it's just so and then like dyson can pal around and mush mouth his way through every situation and then he's like all right i need you to find my son here's his name and then like the mobster leaves and the pizza guy like somebody comes up like and I need to you need to get an order for this thing here's the address here's the guy's name and it's the same guy it's just i i just so quickly understood that i didn't need any part of my brain like i couldn't look at this like a cartoon yeah yeah <laughs> like in in the conventional set especially nowadays wherein you you, you really want to pay attention to a steven universe episode because there's there's lore there or there's character development there there will never be important lore or character development anywhere in it's, the show and i i find that so liberating it's and, almost and very freeing by the the writers of the show it feels to let me know that like somebody talking like interviewing mike tyson as part of a biography and he just can't really maintain oh, a cohesive like idea of like what happened real world experiences that happened to him versus stuff that he heard happen to someone else mm-hmm. some versus dreams that he had yep. versus cartoon <laughs> co- commercial jingles that he's remembering yeah yeah like well why you know why wouldn't i have a talking pigeon i have so many pigeons one of them must be talking or like yeah my guy marcus oh it must be the marcus because <laughs> i just <laughs> i've heard of that before those things <laughs> It does feel like that, yeah. It feels like a fever dream that he himself wrote. <laughs> it feels like it feels like someone axe copped this mm-hmm. for him. Yes, where like he 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 told his older brother, who was a, a graphic design student, uh, a dream that he had, and he 
just they made it into a real cartoon. I don't know. I have a lot of affection for naive storytellers, like my naive, innocent, silly storytellers. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we're we're kind of wrapping up on this because there's just not a lot else to not say. Not a lot of meat on these bones. Yeah, feel and vibe on this. Um, the only thing for music and sound that I really got was like that I love Mike Tyson's dialogue and hated Pigeon's dialogue. <laughs> like, I don't have a lot else beyond yeah, that. Yeah, the, the music choices, it was pretty sparse. You'll occasionally get, like, a spooky, like, straight-from-Scooby-Doo thing. Uh, I think the intro's got a good hook. I think it's very energetic, very action-y. Doesn't it sound kind of like a spy thriller? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, it sounds like a James Bond intro. Yeah, that Mission Impossible, or whatever that is. You, you know the specific riff that I'm talking about that is very spy adjacent, mm-hmm. right? But but the but the visuals are Mike Tyson fighting increasingly ridiculous things like a dinosaur. He's like on the, <laughs> he's like on the set of Gravity Falls in this intro. Yeah. And uh, uh, and is, Mar- which is wonderful. And the Marquess like phases through a wall to stop burglars and smiles at the camera in that way. Yeah, Mike Tyson is on a t- on a on a pterodactyl and has a rocket launcher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I really like the approach of intros of give me in media res for reses that never happened. Yeah, or just like give me the intro or to media. the character that it seems like they had planned. Like they each got to choose their own part of it. Like the Marquess is like, oh, I'm going to be kind of cool and, and classy. And then Young is like, oh, I'm going to be really effective. I'm going to be like, you know, solving a problem. And Mike's like, and then I boxed a volcano. It was amazing. <laughs> and he's like, don't, just don't involve me. I'm drinking a beer. <laughs> it's... I really, like, throughout the every, kind of every aspect of this show is telling you what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's very open about it, right? Yeah. Whereas, like, other shows can kind of tease things that they don't deliver on. Um, I can't I can't think of an example now, but I feel like they do this pretty frequently in, um, in, in anime especially. Like, especially the harem genre of anime, which you can't really say on the page in those days what you're going to be getting with a Tenchi Muyo. So you try to make it look all space fighty. Yeah. And you try to make it look like an Evangelion, but it actually is just a harem anime. Mm-hmm. But this is very upfront about what it's giving you, which is, this is some bullshit. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna box a volcano, and maybe he didn't, and it doesn't actually matter whether it happened. It's it's a constant stream, and it it's a varied stream, but it is bullshit. Yeah, and yeah, I, I guess maybe just I have more affection for the audacity of mm-hmm. nonsense in this. Maybe it's just the tone of it. Maybe it's the content is so, uh. Sp- like not nonsense. I don't know what about it is so funny to me, but this this hits me so well on a comedy uh, angle. Mm-hmm. Except except for the crass humor parts. When it uh, just this is like I I, I never go from I, I, the turnaround from the high highs to the low lows is so quick. It's eight minutes. <laughs> like yeah. there's, there's no time. Mm, there's yeah. no time for segues. Yeah, there was no time then. The juxtaposition of there being no time versus how much time they waste on minutia and is you, always going to read. And the fact that if you're not tracking how much time, you don't really know where a sequence is going to end. You have no idea. There's no... You're pretty like, sure there's going to be a body count before you're done. But aside from there's that... There's no arc. There's no arc to it. Mm-hmm. Like, in an episode, Mike Tyson is on the moon. That could happen any at any point. It yep. could happen before the intro or after the credits or sometime in the middle where they're still just chatting about nothing mm-hmm. like there there isn't any kind of consistency or formula to follow yep which it makes it very refreshing i gotta admit yeah it's 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 uh short and sweet indeed and and so is this episode and weird um yeah 
So uh, let's let's close this out. Uh, mm-hmm. Zane, you got any closing remarks? I, like, I don't think a, a show has ever given me as much of what I expected it to give me. You, you call it I Mike Tyson Mysteries, expect. and it's what it's it's right there, people. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not taking itself seriously, and if you come to it with that mindset, you're gonna have a pretty good time. Something that I'm struggling with is is recognizing the checkered past and possibly like tarnished and possible checkered it. future. We don't know what else is in store. Well, just just kind of the tarnished nature of his character. Like I, I don't know how much of um, the 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 wrongdoing he has put behind and how much he just gets to skate because he's a celebrity. I'm trying not to marry my enjoyment of this show with my conception of Mike Tyson as a celebrity. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do confess that it is extremely fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, no one should idolize, you know, celebrities. Um, but it's, it's, it's kind of like once Michael Jackson died, his music became good again. It's just mm. kind of... And, and here Mike Tyson has done something akin to death, where the man has transcended our physical <laughs> reality in, in a way that no one's done before. You either be you either become a pigeon or a Marcus of Queensbury ghost or a Mike Tyson. That's the only ways out of this, <laughs> e- either, of this rat race. Either you die a hero and become a ghost, or you live long enough to become a pigeon. Something like that. Long enough become MacArthur MacArthur Park. <laughs> um, it th- shouldn't be as funny Mike, as it is. Since he brought up Mike Jackson, um, I, uh, Michael, as he is known, I did do a little bit of a dive on Norm Macdonald, who apparently just passed away a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago, as you had stated. Um, his stand-up, he did a bit about um, uh, about uh, the show, the, uh, about about Michael Jackson oh. and like how he he, he divorced his wife because uh, he was like you know in that classic Norm Macdonald's deadpan humor kind of way. He's like apparently recon- reconcilable differences because she was really into staying home in the evenings and he was a child pedophile. <laughs> he, he was a he, he was a homosexual pedophile. Um, and then, like, later when he died, I think he was publicly asked to, like, I don't know, like, pull some of the criticism back, and he was like, I'm, I'm sorry that you all seem to have forgotten that he was a, <laughs> that, he, that he was a homosexual pedophile, or something to that effect. Like, he just had, the, the Norm McDonald delivery is something that I'm going to, uh, going to carry in my heart. Yeah. Yeah, the delivery was fine. The the the, the... Mick, Norm Macdonald did a great fucking job as a character. I hate. Yes, yes, exactly. Like, it's, it's not. It's yeah. It's not his fault. Mm-hmm. It's like when you're watching Shakespeare and somebody did such a good job as the villain that you boo them when they come on but stage. This, or or because like this is still the fucking Tempest, man. Mm-hmm. Like I I don't want to be here and no one should. <laughs> Why do we idolize this man's? What in the Tempest? No, in in reality, why do we idolize Shakespeare? He re- he wrote the Tempest. <laughs> and therefore, idiot. <laughs> you you would have enjoyed the Tempest if it had a few more conversations about. Oh, you got shipwrecked. Sounds like something you should talk to your insurance agent about. Why is William MacArthur such a reclusive author? <laughs> I mean that that's just poetics right there. As soon as he said that, I was I was on, <laughs> I was board. on board. Why? <laughs> Why is Caramel MacArthur such a reclusive author? If I'm blind, I'll have to rely on my other senses, like my sense of humor. <laughs> it just never ends. It's just always good. It's good dialogue. 
And he looks good as a cartoon. It's got to be stated. It, it, there's something about him. I think it's the face tattoo. If I'm, it's the face tattoo and the, and the one-piece jumpsuit with a big question mark on it. And, and, the, and the gap in the teeth mm-hmm. when he, uh, when, and he again, with, with that aggressive lisp. Yeah, the, the, the question mark jumpsuit is amazing. <laughs> it's like, well, I figured I'd be, you know, in charge of solving mysteries. So clearly this yeah, is what I would unc- wear. Unclear how much of that is his idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I love this show. Like, this is actually, like, one of... I think this is a sleeper gem for I, me. I found it surprisingly watchable. I was able to take the good and, and leave the bad. Yeah, and that's always necessary with stuff that you want to like, right? And like um, anything well, in well, Adult Swim, forgiving. watch it alone. And possibly like, well, drunk. like anything in life, you know? Um, you, you can still like a property and, and hate parts of it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, well, Ben, what are anyway. we going uh, to like and possibly hate parts of next time? I forgot. You want to remind me? Well, Ben, it's our own little mystery because we're going to solve whatever happened to Robot Jones. Oh, yeah. I I promised to say whatever happened to... um, to Roger Rabbit and also whatever happened to uh, Robot... Not Robot Jones. What was the one with uh, Jenny... Juniper Lee? What was that robot girl that we did? uh, Jenny. Jenny. Jenny the robot. Her life is a teenage robot. That's right. Whatever happened to the life of a teenage? Uh, I'll say both of those. Well, good. And then, Ben, after that, uh, I think we've got some uh, well, spooky don't business. We, don't we, don't we have... Oh, yeah, that's right. So, um, Zane, you're going to have to remind me what that was called. Well, I remember the concept and that we we having guests, but I do not remember what it was. I, that's okay. That's what I'm here for. I write things down. <laughs> was it like a crossover between one Scoobert Dubert? Yep. And also a Courage the Cowardly Dubert? That's exactly right. Straight out of nowhere. Scooby-Doo meets Courage the Cowardly Dog. And we're going to need both of our experts on for that to uh, to properly uh, understand what the hell's going on with that. It's going to be a doubles match here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have both Dan Caves, our, our Dane Caverns, our Dan Graves on, as well as uh, Nick. Uh, Nick Robes from uh, the uh, What's With You Scooby-Doo podcast. Mm-hmm. And in the... Both friends of the show. And in oh, the yeah, third corner, it's going to be you. And in the fourth corner, it will be me. Ooh, we can do it. In the fifth corner, it'll be the Marcus of Queensbury. Hey, Marcus. <laughs> how come it's a bo- When they call it a boxing ring, how come it's only got four sides? It should have a circle sides. <laughs> so good. I, you could have told me that that was something that you <laughs> said in the show, and I'd believe you. Hey, Marcus, who was the queen you buried? <laughs> <laughs> it just, like, it's... It's just just endlessly iterative. Yeah. Well, I'm really looking forward to both of those. So um, we'll see. We'll see you guys then. Who will we see, and what should they do in the meantime? Oh yeah, until okay. It's I'm, I'm remembering it now. It's coming, <laughs> coming back to me now. It's a fever dream. Um, until we uh, and until next time. Uh, if you have something to say about either. Whatever Happened to Robot Jones or Straight Out of Nowhere, the Courage of the Cowardly Dog and Scooby-Doo crossover, you can come over to our Facebook page. You can check us out at fancybat.com slash cartoncast and leave a comment on our contact page. Uh, Or even just like leave a comment on uh, shows you'd want us to check out. Mm -hmm. You can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review. It really makes our day. Legitimately. Uh, And more than anything else, please tell your friends about the show. And while we have you on the line, would you like to take a little survey about the Cartoncast? How, how little is that survey? Oh, about 15 minutes. Yeah, okay, shoot. <laughs> on a scale of 1 to 10, 
Uh, do you know where Mike Tyson is? A slow pan out to some piano. Bird sex. It reminds me of that old song. Giddy up, Carmack McConaughey. Ain't got no time. 